Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. If there was a better time to panic in our lifetime, I don't know when it would be. Today's challenges seem overwhelming and scary. Massive unemployment, a deadly disease making inroads into our society, cultural clashes on an epic scale. Yep, panic time. But Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype, says that panic can lead to a disorder of its very own. He's here to talk about panic disorder, what it is and how we can deal with it. Dr. Jennings, the time is yours. Well, Charles, I find it very interesting how you opened the show because it opens the opportunity for us to challenge it because I think you've stated an assumption. No, it is never time to panic. Mm -hmm. Panic never helps. People do. It's a human response to many situations, but it's never a helpful response. It always ends up interfering with adaptive actions and tends to interfere with clear thinking and actions that are most likely to resolve the problem at hand. It freezes people, in other words. And so it's a real situation. It's a real problem. We need to deal with it. We can all experience panic, but it's not good. That's, That's the point. Now, there's a difference between panic episodes and panic disorder. Mm. So let's first describe what a panic episode is. And a panic episode is the abrupt or acute onset of intense fear and discomfort that reaches a peak within a minute in which you have four or more of the following physical symptoms that are associated with that intense anxiety. Palpitations or pounding of your heart or racing heart, sweating, trembliness or, or, or shaking, a sensation of a shortness of breath or, or smothering, feeling like you're choking, chest pain or chest pressure or discomfort, nausea or abdominal distress, feeling dizzy or lightheaded, chills or a sensation of heat, a hot flash, feeling numbness or tingling, a feeling like things are not real, like the world's not real around you, fear of losing control or going crazy, and fear of dying. If you have that sudden rapid onset of acute anxiety with four or more of these, then you're having a panic episode. Uh Panic episodes do not mean you have a panic disorder. To have a panic disorder, you have these panic episodes with no physical cause to it. If there's a physical cause, then it's not panic disorder. So what's a physical cause? Hyperthyroidism. Hmm. Somebody who's got a thyroid that's out of control can trigger these panic episodes. Panic episodes are symptoms of hyperthyroidism. It's not panic disorder. How about drowning? If you're drowning, you're going to have a panic. But that is not a panic disorder. Certain medications or illegal drugs like cocaine or amphetamine can cause panic episodes. These are not panic disorder. So let's assume then somebody has these episodes, but there's no physical cause to them. Then if it persists, they have these for a month or more recurrent, and they develop a sense of fear and hypervigilance about having more of them, and it interferes with their function. They avoid doing things because they're afraid of having them. Then that's the diagnosis of panic disorder. Okay, okay. So the panic episodes we can experience but if we hold on to them and let them grow in us, then they become the disorder. Am I right in saying that? 
So that's one way to say yes. Anybody can have an episode. Yeah. If there's no physical contribution to it, right. then why are people having them? And and I will tell you, panic disorder is a is a disorder that very frequently has a real underlying situation or psychological cause that people don't see. And I want to go through some of that on our show today to help people see where this may be coming from. So I used the example of drowning just a moment ago. Mm -hmm. If somebody was holding your head underwater, before you pass out, you would panic. Everybody does. This is why they waterboard people Mm -hmm. in order to induce that sense of of being panicked. But sometimes people can find themselves in situations in life where they have so many demands, so many bills to pay, so many um, uh, responsibilities to keep up with, with multiple kids, single parent, job to go to, so many deadlines to meet that they feel like they can't get their head above water. And they will use that metaphor. I can't get my head above water. I feel like I'm drowning. And then they can start having panic. Because psychologically, they're in psychological water. They're not in real water. Right. But the, when they perceive that, their brain responds the same way and they begin to have panic. A people with attention deficit disorder will reach that threshold if they're not treated with attention deficit meds earlier than a person without it because their capacity to multitask and handle multiple things is reached sooner. So they will feel overwhelmed and drown. And many people will come to see me think they have panic disorder when they actually have attention deficit disorder that's not treated. And and if you treat the attention deficit disorder, their panic goes away because now they're not drowning in all the stuff they have to keep up with anymore. Another common place where people will have this is when they're in a marriage in which they're being controlled or dominated by their spouse. And in that marriage, when they're being controlled and dominated, their individuality is being submerged under their spouses. And over a course of time, they will start to panic before they ultimately die as an individual, not physically die, but they surrender themselves and become a empty shell of a person. And so I use that metaphor of drowning. If somebody held your head underwater for three seconds, you don't panic because you can hold your breath easily for three seconds and maybe for 30 seconds, maybe for 45 seconds. But at some point, you'll begin to panic. People in these controlling and dominating marriages can hold their breath, so to speak, for a month, for six months, for a year, sometimes for three or four or five or six years. People can tolerate it without actually drowning. But if they don't get out, don't get their head above water, don't get their individuality, their freedom back, eventually they will come to a point where they begin having panic episodes because they feel this sense of, I'm drowning. I'm dying here in this relationship. And if they go to a doctor and the doctor simply gives them medication to stop feeling the panic, it would be like somebody who's under real water and a doctor gives them medication so they'll relax and and stop panicking. It only helps them die as an individual. And so what needs to be happen instead is they need to understand the law of liberty and that their health will only be re-experienced when they get their freedom and autonomy back, which means either setting boundaries in the marriage or getting out of it. So that's one example drowning, that sense of drowning. So looking, people are having panic. Look, do you feel like you're drowning in something? But here's another one. People who feel trapped in something, not drowning, but trapped. This is why Hollywood in horror movies will frequently use the visual image of a person being buried alive mm-hmm. because this sense of being buried alive gets this sense of, of the terrible panic in us because we don't like to be trapped. And I've had patients come see me with panic in which they feel themselves trapped in a marriage or trapped in a job or 
trapped in a city where they don't want to live because their spouse had a job and they had to take the transfer and go to that city. But but they're trapped here and all their family where they grew up and friends are back where they came from and they don't want to be here. They feel trapped and they'll begin having panic. And so what has to happen is they have to understand and identify the psychological trap, which is triggering it, and then make a choice to be here because this is where they have freely chosen to be. I'm not here because I'm trapped against my will. I chose to be here with my husband, and this is where I have freely chosen to be. Mm -hmm. As soon as they make a free choice to be here, then the panic will resolve. So that's another example. That wouldn't work in the marriage thing. You don't choose to be in an abusive relationship. No, no, no. Not not in the marriage when it's dominating and controlling. Yeah, yeah. But it could be if you're in the marriage with a loving spouse whose job transferred them yeah, here and they yeah, went yeah. with the spouse, you okay, see. Okay. So the marriage is healthy, but the situation put them where they didn't want to be. Okay. So that was a good clarification. I thank you for that. Sometimes people experience this when they face death. Hmm. what's called existential anxiety. And they can face that death of their own or somebody close to them. I've seen it when an animal has died or a parent or a grandparent has died. And that has brought a sense of fear of their own mortality. And they haven't come to peace with that, with their higher power, surrender their life into their God's hands so that they can then have peace. And they're very fearful of dying and that can trigger panic as well. And so sometimes people have to work through their own mortality and come to peace with their mortality. This will often happen in late adolescence if there's a near-death experience. Maybe they were in a car wreck where they almost died or they had a loved one die because the highest place of denial of a mortality is in, is in late adolescence, 17, 18, 19, yeah. 20, and into about mid-25. Yeah. That's why they have the highest insurance rates. That's why they get recruited in the military. That's why they'll jump out of planes and put the parachute on their back yes. and stuff because they have a sense of invincibility. And to have to have something confront that can often trigger panic in people. But it can happen at any age. That's just an age where there's real vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you're saying here because when we feel panic, we can now identify whether this is an event or a disorder, right? So panic events will happen and resolve because of the situation. But people can have panic disorder and be diagnosed with panic disorder because of a bad marriage where there's domination and control, because of a job where they feel like they're drowning, because they have untreated ADHD and they're overwhelmed and they feel like they're drowning. And and also I wanted to mention that many of the medicines that treat panic will make ADHD worse. So if that's the situation, they actually don't get better. They just get kind of zombied out. They don't have panic, but they're not really functioning well either. So it's really important to get the diagnosis right. Or they feel trapped in a circumstance or a situation, and that's a mental uh, shift where they have to realize, hey, no, I'm actually here freely. This is where I want to be because I want to be with my husband. Even though I don't want to be in the city, I'm actually glad to be with my husband. And that can resolve it, for instance. Or they have to come to peace with their own mortality. Now, sometimes looking at all those, there's no trap, there's no bad marriage, there's no sense of being overwhelmed, we're not, we don't have ADHD that's not being treated, uh, we're not facing existential crisis, and we're still having panic. There are individuals for a variety of reasons that have brains that have very super sensitive amygdalas and they panic at the slightest thing and sometimes medications are helpful and necessary for those individuals to help calm the amygdala down. And There's a variety of different medications of different classes. Some are controlled substances you have to be careful with, some are not controlled 
substances that can be used long term. But either way, medications can also be very helpful. And even in the patients who have the circumstances like I described, sometimes you medicate to calm them down enough to then deal with the situation to get them out of their trap. Well, I can see why it's vital for someone who is facing this type of question, am I panicking or do I have a disorder, to see a professional about this because you would know the fine line between whether they need this medicine or whether they shouldn't be taking this medicine. No, that's exactly right. They do need to see a professional. But I will tell you, sadly, in, in our world today, because of a lot of various reasons that many people do checklist diagnosis. Yes. They'll go in and say, uh, you're having panic. Do you have this symptom? This symptom? Okay, you got four out of these. It's been going on for that much. Boom, panic disorder. And they don't understand the reason. They don't even look to see if you're in a bad marriage and your individuality is being suffocated. They don't even look to see if you're facing existential stress. They don't even look to see if you're see, being trapped. And, and I can't tell you how many patients have come to see me from other professionals being diagnosed with panic disorder because they were having recurrent panic episodes and it wasn't really wrong, but it was a person with ADHD that was overwhelmed and not being treated for inattention. And so they were actually made worse by the treatment. So, so seeing a professional doesn't always mean that the professional, because there's, and primarily the reasons we live in a world where third party payers, the insurance is putting such pressure on the yes, practitioners yes. that they can't spend the time they need to actually get the information to get the true diagnosis. So it's check, 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 boom, medicine out the door. Boy. Listener, we have a place where you can stop and listen to a doctor and learn from a doctor. It's comeandreason.com. No pressure, no hurry. Your appointment can go on 24-7 if you'd like. That's comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings has made his books available there, his blogs, his television program, his radio programs. They're all right there for you to enjoy. No appointment necessary. And I, I recommend, listener, that you spend some time at comeandreason.com and learn about yourself and learn about what the devil's trying to do to you and more importantly, most importantly, what God is trying to do for you. That's all at comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Together.